Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. So Father, we thank you for the grace that you've shown us. That even in this life that we experience your goodness to us. That because of that, we can wait with confidence. We can wait with assurance that one day we will be with you again. And that is not just a, a hope that is wavering, but it is a sure foundation that we place our lives on. That your promises are true. That you are faithful. That you will bring us to yourself. That as we look into this new year, we don't know what you're doing or will do, but we've experienced your goodness in the land of the living in the past years. In our life today, the breath in our lungs, the beating of our hearts, all because of you. And because of that, we know that you will do what you said you will do. Your promises are sure. So we pray that you'd be with us this morning as we look to your word now. That you build up our faith in your word. Help us to see Christ clearly. We pray all of this in the name of your son who is worthy of all praise. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you have a Bible or your phone, you can go to 1 Kings chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 5 all the way to 28. First Kings 3 is somewhere, it's, it's right sort of early in the Bible. If you have it, say, I have it. I'll wait a little bit. All right, verse 5 says, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept for him a great and steadfast love, and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father. Although I'm but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For God is able to, go for who is able, sorry, to govern this your great people. God, we give you thanks, Lord, for your word. We love to open it. We love to learn from it. God, I thank you for the privilege to stand here to serve your flock, your people, my brothers and sisters in Christ, by delivering the word. I pray, Lord God, that you would empower me, that you would anoint us all in a fresh and new way, that we would hear from you, God. 
Father, we sung songs of your goodness and your faithfulness to us, and I know there's some people in this room that don't always feel that. And those songs can be hard to sing, but I pray, Lord God, as we look into your word, we would be reminded of your goodness now. We would be reminded that you have never left us on our own, even in the moments where it feels like you're not there. Father, I pray that the way you reminded me as I looked at this text, that you are for us, that we would feel that now. God, that our minds and our hearts would be in a spot where we are ready, saying, God, I want to hear from you. I need a word from you. This is not just some 30, 40 minutes where I just sort of sit here and check out, but I lean in and listen. God, would you speak, I pray. Strengthen us for the battle that is in front of us. For the moments where we feel our weakness, would a text like this remind us that you are there? Help us, O oh God. Help me to serve right now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I was at home and I was talking to Kim about this passage. We were in the, in the kitchen and I, I read it to her and I was like, I'm thinking about preaching this to our church. I want to kind of give a message about sort of God being there for us. And I, I read the text and I was like, you know, Kim, I'm thinking when I look at this, it says to me, God's available. When I read and I look at verse five, where he's like, ask what you want. And she just looked at me and she's just like, oh, it's more than that. And I was like, what do you mean it's more than that? And she's like, Marv, the text isn't just saying God's available. It's saying God wants to help us. Look at verse 5. It says, it says, ask what I shall give to you. She's like, God wants to help us. And then I was like, you're right. And she smiled and she's like, yeah, I just basically wrote your whole sermon. And then we kind of went about cleaning the house. I was vacuuming. She was doing some other stuff. And then the Spirit of God gave this. It says, when we pray... We're saying yes to God's help. God wants to help us, and when we pray, we're saying yes to the help that he offers. And here's the thing about God. He can be trusted. It says, verse 6, And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness in righteousness and in and uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. God promised that one of your descendants, David, would sit on the throne. And Solomon's like, here it is. God has kept his word. Here's the other thing. God is in charge. Look what he says in verse five. He says, ask, God appeared to him and said, ask what I shall give to you. He didn't say, ask, and then I'll go check with the boys in the back if it's all right. He says, ask what you want, and then I will give it to you because I can give it to you. I don't have to check with anybody. I'm God. I'm in charge. Now, I don't know about you, but I forget this all the time. Right? We hear it all the time. Don't preachers say it, right? Sound like a song on repeat on 98.7. We, we hear it all the time. But we forget it all the time. 
But, and when we forget, you know what happens when you forget that God can be trusted, that God is in charge, that God wants to help you? When you forget, prayer dies. But when you remember prayer, when I remember prayer is alive, and then I'm full of confidence. I feel like I can take on Satan with a squirt gun. I feel good. Prayer is alive. Ian Bounds says, prayer is the language of a person burdened with a sense of need. Did you hear it? Come on. Prayer is the language of a person burdened with a sense of need. Prayer is the language of those who need something, something which they themselves cannot supply. I need something, and I can't get it done on my own. Watch this. He says, to not pray is not only to declare that there's nothing needed, but to admit to a non-realization of that need. When there's no prayer going on in your life, it usually is a sign that you don't really realize how, how much help you actually need, how much you need to depend on God, how much things are on you that you need to turn to God for help. When we pray, we're saying yes to God's help. And here's the thing. We need God's help because of our lack of experience. Look at verse 7. And now, O Lord, you have made your servant king in the place of David, my father, Although I'm but a little child, he's a big man. He calls himself a little child. He's the king. He calls himself a little child. He says, I do not know how to go out or come in. What he's saying there is, I have no experience at this. You've put me in a spot where I feel my weakness. You've put me in a spot where I feel stretched. I'm not ready for what you have put in front of me. This is a humble move, right? Say, yes, it is. It's a humble move. You see, he doesn't try to pretend like he has something he doesn't. Sometimes some people get into a spot, they get a role, and they be, what do they do? They try to fake it till they make it. They front like it's all together. Not Solomon. He's like, no, 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 I've never done this before. I need your help. And then watch this. He doesn't try to overcome his weakness with human help. He actually takes the supernatural help that God has offered. He must have remembered that, that the throne of grace is where you find help in a time of need. He acknowledged his weakness. He must have remembered that God actually helps humble people. And we need God's help because of life's responsibilities. Look at verse 9. It says, And your servant is in the midst of your people, whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for a multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this, your great people? Do you see, see how many times he says your people? Three times. Your people, not my people. He's the king, but whose people are they? God's people. Your people. And he keeps saying it and saying it and repeating it and repeating it because it's a sign that he is aware of the weight of the job that he just got. Your people. He understands that as the king, he's actually just a steward. 
and that he's responsible to govern these people in a way and, and present them and lead them in a way that brings glory to God. He feels the weight of the responsibility. Your people. So many times we forget the things that are in your life. You know they don't actually belong to you. That you're actually a steward. That the responsibilities that God has given you, those are stewardships. God's like, those are all, it's all what does he say? I own the cattle on a thousand hill. All things are mine. Your kids belong to God. Your job belongs to God. That apartment you have belongs to God. You're just a steward of that responsibility. And Solomon feels the weight of that. And so he turns to God for help. See, none of us are kings and queens as far as I know. But all of us have responsibilities in our life. You got people to look after. And some days you feel the weight of that. You have bills to pay. And some days you're like, I don't know how I'm going to make all the ends meet. You have a job that you got to be at and do it well for the glory of God. And some days it's hard to go, ain't it? Yeah, say amen if you're with me. Don't leave me up here. Trust me. Hey, this is my job. No lie. Some days it's hard to come. Because part of this role, I know I let people down a lot. Because I'm not Jesus. It's tough. We have events to plan. You're trying to get that wedding thing all set up and nobody's calling you back. Just want a venue, bro. You have decisions to make. Things that are just there on you. And don't you feel it sometimes, that, that, that responsibility? Doesn't it just stress you? Doesn't it stretch you? You're like, ah, oh, this is too much for me. Isn't that what Solomon's feeling? Who's able to govern a people like this? Over the little break that we had, I tried to rest a little bit, and I was reading this book on Joshua, the leadership of Joshua. The book's called like something like Becoming a, the Leader God Wants You to Be. It's a good book. But the, the, the writer talks about how, you know, Moses, Joshua's following Moses, and, you know, he's there at the Exodus, and then he goes through the, the wilderness, and he's waiting. He's just Moses' assistant. And then Moses dies. And God's like, Moses is dead. That's all he says. He's like, now it's your turn. He's like, yeah, that brother's off the scene. Now it's up to you. And the writer's like, Joshua waited a long time. Who knows what he learned? Who knows... If he was, you know, sometimes like, hey, I'm ever going to be in that spot. I'm just the assistant. Then God's like, you're up. And then he says, and Joshua has to lead them into the promised land. He's got to lead them into the blessing. And you actually start to realize, like, it's a big job. And for a, whole, a, a long time, he's watching Moses sort of long suffer with these people. He's watching Moses make mistakes. He's watching the people cuss Moses out. They get upset with him, all that kind of stuff. They complain, there's no water. Where's the manna? I'm tired of the manna, frosted flakes. Who can eat that every day? And then God's like, he's dead. You're up. And now Mo, uh, Joshua's like, I got to lead these people. God's like, yeah. And then the author says something that I was like, that is so good. He goes, God never gives you responsibilities without giving you his presence. Amen. And I can prove it. He says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. 
For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He gave him a heavy roll. And then he says, but you got me. He gives you responsibilities. He puts weight in your life. And it's a good thing. Right? It's a good thing to have weight in your life. It makes you mature. It makes you make good decisions. It makes you slow down and not be impulsive. Weight in your life is a good thing. Responsibilities is actually a blessing from God, even though sometimes it stresses you and, and, and stretches you. It's a kindness from God. But here's the, here's the even better news. God's like, I am with you. And when you feel stretched, when you feel a little stre- when you feel annoyed, when you feel tired, am I the only one that feels tired sometimes? You got to remember it's not all on you. That you have a good father who is present, wanting to help, offering his help. And every time you choose prayer, you're saying yes to the supernatural help that he offers you. And we need God's help. Here's another one. Because of life's challenges. We need God. There's responsibilities, but there's challenges. Let me show you. Look down at verse 16. Then two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. So he's, he settled into his kingship. The woman said, Oh my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house. And I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. Then on the third day after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth. And we were alone. There was no one else with us in the house. Only we two were in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. And she rose at midnight and took my son from beside me. While your servant slept and laid at her breast and, I, and, laid, and, laid, her de- uh, and laid her dead son at my breast. When I rose in the morning to nurse my child, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning, behold, he was not the child that I had born. But the other woman said, no, the living child is mine and the dead child is yours. The first said, no, the dead child is yours and the living child is mine. Thus they spoke before the king. Now when Solomon woke up and put on his, you know, the morning slippers, this is not what he expected. It's, there's a challenge in front of him. And we, like, we read it, and we're like, oh, yeah, just kind of like a, you know, sort of a funny story. But put yourself in this spot. Put yourself in the spot of the mother who's like, no, that's my child. And you need that king to make a really good decision because you're about to lose your child. You're in the middle of somebody being extremely dishonest. Some, a tragedy happened. I get that. But there's a weight. So the king's not sitting there like, oh, this is easy. There's, it's a real, right? I always want us as a church to re, put ourselves in the text, to read our Bibles like real people, like the weight of what this would be. That mother sitting there, hearts kind of beating in her chest, hoping, I hope this king is a good king. I hope this king is actually listening and hearing what I'm saying. I hope this king can sense the pain that is in my voice when I tell him that this is my child. And I hope that this king makes a really good decision. This is not a simple thing. And you don't think the king is sitting there and is able to be aware and feel the tension and the weight? 
Thus they spoke before the king. Then the king said, this one says, this is my son, and that one is alive, and your son is dead. And the other says, no, but your, your son is dead, and my son is the living one. And the king said, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought before the king, and the king said, divide the, li- the living child in two and give half to the other and half to the other. Then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, because my heart yearned for her, because my heart yearned, sorry, because her heart yearned for her son. I told you it was beating. Oh my God, give her the living child and by no means put him to death. She loved the baby. But the other said, he shall be neither mine nor yours. Vindictive, divide him. Then the king answered and said, Give the living child to the first woman, and by no means put him to death. She is his mother. And all Israel heard the judgment that the king had rendered, and they stood in awe of the king because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice, to do what is right. Challenges come. Years change. But challenges Come like flyers in the mail. They just keep coming. It's a part of life. It's a part of the struggle. It's a part of the grind. And you're sitting there and you're like, I I hear you, Marv. I'm with you. Why do they come so much? Sometimes it's because of evil political decisions. I'm going to give you examples. Exodus 1. Pharaoh just decides. I'm going to enslave the people of Israel. I I don't want them to grow and overtake. And so he just makes an evil political decision. Sometimes challenges come because there's just a lack of resources. Ruth won. A famine sets in. And the family just has to flee. There's There's no food. There's a lack of resources. Sometimes challenges come because there's poor leadership. All you got to do is go home and read 1 Kings and 2 Kings. And all you're going to see is poor leadership all over the place. Sometimes there's a good king here and there. Solomon here, poor leadership eventually. And it just reminds you that we, when you read 1 and 2 Kings, you're reminded that you need, we need a better king. The king of kings, Jesus Christ, who comes. Sometimes it's because we neglect our responsibilities. David, right? It says, when kings go out to war, the king stayed home. And, in, and then in chapter 11 of 2 Samuel, he gets into all kinds of trouble. Sleeps with another man's wife, then kills the man, tries to hide it, and then there's nothing but trouble in his family after. Sometimes the challenges that, we, that come, we brought them on ourselves. We just neglected a responsibility. Sometimes it's because our body stops working right. Mark chapter 5, the woman with an issue of blood. She didn't do anything, but a health challenge just showed up. Sometimes it's because there's conflict with other people. Sometimes challenges come because you're just in an argument with another believer. Let me give you an example. Saul and Barnabas. Served together, 
did good ministry things. And then the text says they had a sharp disagreement. And they said, you go your way, I'm going to go my way. There's a conflict. Sometimes it's because there's a breakdown in family relationships. Joseph and his brothers. God tells Joseph what he's going to be, what he's going to do through his life. And his brothers just, well, Joseph's a little bit arrogant about it, but his brothers just can't take it. And then when you read that story, you're like, they threw him into a pit and went home. And you just see sort of the darkness of the human heart. And then they're like, we're, just, we're going to lie to our dad about it. Sometimes there's challenges because people use you and toss you away. Just look at how Abraham and Sarah treated Hagar. God made a promise. You're going to have a child. They lacked patience, came up with their own plan. Stopped trusting God, started trusting themselves. Now, anytime you get into a spot where you stop trusting God and start trusting yourself, usually some people are going to get hurt around there. They use the woman, the baby comes, and then Sarah says, just get her away from me. I don't want to look. And then they just toss her out. Now, what's beautiful is that God, when she's, when she's struggling all by herself, God says, I see you. And offers his help. Sometimes it's because you're obeying God. Paul and Silas are just doing what God says, spread the message of the gospel. And then in Acts 16, they get thrown in jail. Challenges come sometimes because a person leaves the faith. Paul says, Demas, in love with the world, has, got, has left. This is a part of the reality of living life here together. In a couple of years, there might be a real reality that some of you might not be sitting here. Because you've fallen in love with the world. You've given in to the challenge that comes that a culture is that trying to tell you, don't trust the faith, give up on it, turn, go somewhere else. This is a waste of your time. Or you just look at the lore, the riches, that, all that stuff that's out there. Challenges come. Sometimes they come because there's unexpected tragedies. In Luke 13, I'm giving you a lot because I want you to see the range of the things that you see in, in the Bible. In Luke 13, Jesus says that a temple just falls on a bunch of people and they die. Unexpected tragedy. Sometimes they come because you challenge the culture. Just look at the life of Jesus. He said things people didn't want to hear. He spoke the truth in love. And what did it cost him? His life. Challenges come because you live in a world with broken structures, broken people, and a broken creation. They stream in steadily but let me give you some good news something to celebrate god wants to help you no matter what comes my way i will overcome when i depend on god let me tell you something else kim said in the in the in the kitchen that day she said when she basically wrote the whole sermon. When you depend on God in challenges, 
He gives you wisdom that's beyond your years. Oh, yeah. Say amen, Kimmy. (laughs) She's just shaking her head at me. When we choose to pray, we're saying yes to the help God offers. Let me tell you something. You saw in this text, Solomon gives good wisdom. Everyone's like, I'm in awe of the king, of the wisdom that came out of him. Everyone, they're blown away. But it wasn't his wisdom. That's right. God's wisdom. God got him through. God is the one who carried him through that difficult, trying situation, that challenge that showed up in the morning. God is the one who said, I want to help you. And Solomon turned and said yes to the help. God got him through. Just look at verse 10. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. Remember, he asked for wisdom and a discerning mind. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked of yourself un- uh, for yourself an understanding and dis- uh, mind to discern what is right, behold, I do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind. God is like, because you were unselfish in your prayer, because you prayed a prayer where you, you considered other people, you prayed so you would be able to bless them and help them. I will give you what you ask for. I will give you discernment. God is the one who got him through and in your challenges and in your responsibilities and all the pressures in the moments where you feel like I have no experience, this thing that is coming on me in 2023 is stressing me and stretching me. God is like, I will get you through. If you choose to say yes, if you choose prayer, Dale Davis said, he said, there are some people who say that prayer is just an attempt to escape the challenges of life. Turn to somebody and say, nope. Nope. Prayer is believers saying that the best way to get through life through all of the challenges, through all of the stresses, through all of the responsibilities. Prayer is the best way to get through life. It is the way to get the help that the author of life offers you. That is what prayer... We're not trying to escape. I'm saying under the weight of this pressure, under this, 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 this weight that God has brought into my life, I am surrendering and I'm saying, I know that God is with me I believe God is going to help me, and so I'm choosing prayer. I'm choosing humility. I'm choosing to say yes to the help that God offers. When I was getting ready to sort of preach, uh, I was sitting at the house, and I was like, you know, we're going to start a a message series next week just kind of on like the objectives of our church and all that. But I felt a strong press push from God to actually preach on prayer. And it just, like, it wouldn't go away. I was like, okay. And then I was like, There's, what text am I going to preach? There's no passage. Like, I feel like, you know, where would I go? And then I just kind of left it. And then eventually, this passage popped into my head. And for whatever reason, I was like, oh, I think it's really it's about wisdom. But then, you know, you see verse 5. God's like, ask what you want. And then Kimmy said what she said. God wants to help us. And as I was going through, I was like, 
Oh, this is why God wanted me to preach the first message in, uh, not the first, the second message of the year on, on prayer. This is why. Because God wants you and me all year to say yes to the help that he offers. Because your responsibilities aren't going anywhere. The challenges are going to keep coming. And you're going to feel your lack of experience multiple times in multiple areas. Oh, yeah. Right? I, I talk about it all the time. Sometimes I look at the boys and I'm like, help. <laughs> right? But God wants to help us. And prayer is the way we say yes to God's help. And because we believe in applying the messages and applying the scriptures, we're going to do that now. And Alethea is going to come up and lead us in a time of prayer. And we're going to sing a little bit. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.